सन्नो मित्र संवरुण सन्नो सन्न इंद्रो बृहस्पति सन्नो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसे प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यामि सत्यं वदिष्यामि तन्मामवतु तद्वक्तारमवतु अवतुमातु वक्तारम सहनावतु सहनो भुनक्त सह वीकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तु मेषावै ओंदसमृषभो विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृता संबूव समेन्द्र मेधया स्पृणत अमृत देवधारण भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तम भूरि विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पिता श्रुत मे गोपाय अहम वृक्षस्य रेरिव कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेरिव ऊपवित्रो वाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविंगुंसवर्चस सुमेधा अमृतोक्षिशंकोर्वेदाचनम पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेव वशिष्य श्रुतिस्मृतिपुरा आलय करुणाल नमा भगवत्द शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यत वंदे भगवतरात्मे गुरुरात्मेदि मूर्तिद विभागिने व्योमद्यादेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम 
అఖండం సచ్చిదానందం అవాంగ్ మనస గోచరం అవాంగ్ మనస గోచరం ఆత్మానమఖిలాధారం ఆత్మానమఖిలాధారం ఆశ్రయే భీష్ట అర్థతోప్యద్వయానందాన్ అర్థతోప్యద్వయానందాన్ అతీతద్వైతభానత అతీతద్వైతభానత గురూనారాధ్య వేదాంత గురూనారాధ్య వేదాంత సారం వక్ష్యేయమదే సారం వక్ష్యేయమదే తిక్ష శీతోష్ణాది ద్వంద్వ సహిష్ణుత ఇన్ ది ప్రోసెస్ ఆఫ్ డిస్కసింగ్ వాట్ ఇస్ నోన్ ఏజ్ శమాది షట్క సంపత్తి ఆర్ ద సిక్స్ ఫోల్డ్ ఇన్ అర్ వెల్స్ బిగినింగ్ ఫ్రమ్ శమ వి డిస్కస్ లాస్ట్ టైమ్ తిక్ష తిక్ష మీన్స్ ఫోర్ బ్యాలెన్స్ ఆర్ ఎండ్యూరెన్స్ శీతోష్ణాది ద్వంద్వ సహిష్ణుత సహిష్ణుత ఇన్ఫ్యాక్ట్ ఎండ్యూరెన్స్ ఆర్ ఈవెన్ సఫరింగ్ బట్ సఫరింగ్ ఇస్ నాట్ ద రైట్ వర్డ్ Titiksha is not really suffering. To be able to suffer without internally suffering, this is the idea. Titiksha is to be able to suffer, meaning put up with what we call unpleasant things at the physical level, emotional level, intellectual level, accepting that it is a fact of life. That things are sometimes pleasant and sometimes unpleasant. Yes, it is. If you are able to change the situation to make it pleasant, fine, go ahead and do it. Sometimes we can do something about the situation. The situation is unpleasant, uncomfortable. We can change it to make it pleasant or comfortable. Go ahead and do it. But there are many things over which we have no control at all. And generally speaking, at the most we can perhaps do something about our own self or we can do something about those situations and people and beings who perhaps are might be within our you know field of influence but beyond that there is very little that we can do to change the situations of things or beings or people and that being the case this is an acceptance of the fact of life that unpleasantness is a fact of life <clears throat> at the physical level discomfort would happen at the emotional level and at the intellectual level also shita and ushna heat and cold that means comfort and discomfort at the physical level pleasure and pain at the emotional level and honor and dishonor at the intellectual level at all the three levels pleasant and unpleasant or favorable and unfavorable situations can arise and that as readily we accept the favorable situation so readily we should be able to accept the unfavorable situation why do they want us to develop this kind of an endurance so that we do not get perturbed in various situations when situation can influence me can perturb me can disturb me then i cannot enjoy what we call a balanced frame of mind or a poised frame of mind and thus it is accepted that even a seeker of knowledge even though he or she may be confined to a what you might call an ashram or a gurukulam or in a conducive atmosphere and then also at the level of weather there can be heat and cold and there can be difficulties so 
these pairs of opposites will always greet us and we should receive them, we should receive the life pleasant and unpleasant as cheerfully as we can. <coughs> this is called Tritiksha, not a simple thing, but something that is very essential that we grow. So more we are able to endure without reaction, outwardly or inwardly. That's why chinta vila parhitam, without anxiety or lament, atpratikara purvakam, without retaliation, <coughs> outwardly or inwardly, slowly this is what we have to work upon. Everyone has this. Everyone wants to retaliate. Everyone has fears, anxieties. All of these are there in us. And that's the reason why we get perturbed in various situations. And we have to, every situation will bring out one or the other of these things from ourselves. And when we find these reactions arising from ourselves, we should deal with them, knowing that ideally we should be free from these reactions. And therefore, we work with them so that in course of time, we are able to maintain a poise of mind in various changing situations, various varying or contradictory situations. <coughs> Life in a way is like that, you know, subjects, as we said the other day, if a thing is subjected to pain all along, if anybody, then perhaps the person will get used to it. Subjected to pleasant all along, no problem at all. But now pain, now pleasure, now pain, now pleasure, now honor, now dishonor, now comfort, now discomfort. Now this really wears a person down. This is what really requires that we should increase our endurance, life being like that, there is very little, something whatever we can do, we do, the rest we cannot do. And therefore, we have to uh, learn, to be, we have to grow rather, to be able to maintain a poise of mind in various situations in life. This is Titiksha. Now you go to passage 23, the page 13. Where the fifth qualification is discussed, fifth wealth internal. <coughs> Nigruhitasya Manasaha Shravanado Tadanguna Vishayecha Samadhi Samadhanam All right, Bhashama Dhamma Uparama and Tidiksha. The first four qualifications that are given, Shama is restraint of the mind, Damaha, the restraining of the sense organs, Uparama, an abidance of the mind and sense organs, or, or Uparama means a renunciation, or that is becoming free from the, uh, the desires, meaning becoming free from the various duties, etc. And Tidiksha, forbearance or endurance. All these enable us to focus our mind. So these are the, these are the means of making the mind free from its distractions or disturbance. Shamaha, mind runs out, bring it back. Damaha, the sense organs run out, bring them back. Uparama, there are many demands of situations in terms of duties, alright, become free from that. Titiksha, the outer situation creates in me perturbance, become free from that. And thus now we have a mind which is free from distraction or free from disturbance. Generally, generally speaking. So it is a nigruhitasya manasaha. The mind that is a nigruhitam, 
the mind that is thus restrained, what do we do now? Alright, you have withdrawn your mind from its other preoccupations and other distractions and you have developed that poise of mind that the mind now is abiding. What do we do with this mind? That mind must be focused somewhere. Where should we be focused? So samadhi. You must have heard this word samadhi. Samadhi means absorption or concentration, single-pointedness. Samadhi samadhanam. It says concentration of the mind is called samadhanam. Or focusing of the mind is called samadhanam. Where is it focused? Shravanadav. Shravanadav. In shravana, manana, nididhyasana. The idea is that the energies of the mind are saved. This really what we call this inner qualifications are nothing but conserving the energy of the mind at the moment in entertaining various thoughts in pursuing different pleasures in reacting to various situations and in, in pursuing the various demands that the situations make upon us a lot of our energy is exhausted, is spent away so this process is nothing but conserving the energy which we have so that it is applied to what we call the creative or the profitable fields. That's the idea. So for a person who is now committed to knowledge, that person wants that all the energy of the mind, or all whatever energy he has within and without, all of that should be focused now in the pursuit of knowledge. And what? how do we pursue this knowledge? By this means called Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhyasanam. It is said in Bhagavad Upanishad, Atma Vare Drashtavya. This Atma must be seen, it must be known. How should it be known? Shrotavya, Mantavya, Nididhyasitavya. So, you must conduct what we call inquiry upon into the nature of the self. And the method of performing that inquiry, method of pursuing the knowledge, Shravanam listening to the scriptures from the teacher. Mananam, reflection upon what I have listened to and heard and understood, to remove the doubts, etc. And Nididhyasanam, to be, to assimilate what I have learned. To assimilate what I have learned. This is a method of knowing and assimilation of the knowledge. This is all that now person has to do. If this is all that you have to do, then this is what he said, that all right, Thus the mind which has been withdrawn from its other preoccupations and other distractions, that mind should be constantly focused upon Shravanam Mananam Nitityasanam. Tat Anuguna Vishecha. Alright, whole day, some, you see, the Shravanam or listening to the scripture also requires a frame of mind. And we may find that still those preparations are needed that all the time we are not able to deliberate upon Vedanta. Our mind needs a change, that mind needs a certain distraction and things of that sort. Or we find that the mind is not able to maintain that frame because still this Amayatvam, Adambitvam, this kind of qualifications are not fully developed. That means the mind is not yet developed that full maturity in order to, to be able to totally apply itself to the pursuit of knowledge. Then Samadhanam also includes doing whatever is necessary to develop these inner qualifications like Amanitvam, humility, Adambitvam, non-pretentiousness, Ahimsa, non-violence, 
क्षांति ही फर्गिवनेस एकोमोडेशन आर्जवम स्ट्रेट फॉरवर्डनेस सो दीज आर दी क्वालिटीज दीज आर वैल्यूज द फ्रेम्स ऑफ माइंड विच लॉर्ड कृष्ण एंजॉइंस अपॉन स्पीकर ऑफ नॉलेज एंड एवर वेल वेन यू आर नॉट लिसनिंग टू स्क्रिप्चर और वेन यू नॉट रिफ्लेक्टिंग अपॉन इट देन यू आर वर्किंग अपॉन योर ओन सेल्फ इन टर्म्स ऑफ ऑब्जर्विंग योर ओन माइंड spending time in what we call introspection being alert about the various thoughts and various reactions that arise in my mind and always ready to work on them so rest of the time may you focus attention on your mind and see whether mind enjoys this amanitvam adambhitvam there are traces of manitvam there are traces of dambhitvam manitvam means that arrogance is there or pride is there so there are in us the traces of what we call pretentiousness dambha some violence is also there and uh, jealousies and all these things are there to work upon them and slowly and slowly work to make ourselves free from that so this also is a valid thing to do so pursuit of knowledge includes both listening reflection and assimilation and at the same time it also includes what we call a self introspection and constantly working with our own self to Uh, remove from ourselves those obstacles which come in the way of the pursuit of study all of that goes in what we call samadhanam tadupakarakeshu amanitvaadi sadhana visheshu samadhi nairantarena tachintanam nairantarena chintanam constantly focusing attention on that that's all a constant focus of mind upon your pursuit is called samadhanam just as when you drive from one place when you're driving towards a destination then all along in your mind there is that awareness of the destination where you want to reach and therefore whenever you make any choices of this roads whether you what turns you make and whatever you do is all determined by your destination so how while you are driving your one part of your mind is always aware of the destination that it has to reach and whatever choices are made are made automatically in keeping with the destination that you want to reach similarly also in our mind the destination is now determined what is the destination knowledge of the self and that should constantly remain in our mind adhyatma gnana nityatvam tattva gnana sadarshanam lord krishna gives these values also in 13th chapter adhyatma gnana nityatvam a constant uh, commitment a commitment to the knowledge of the self is a value tattva gnana artha darshanam and in order to maintain this commitment may you make your mind see the what you have to achieve or what you will achieve as a result of the knowledge and when the mind gets distracted then you have to bring the mind back and make it see tattva gnana artha darshanam what is it that is to be attained as a result of knowledge that freedom that liberation the fulfillment so what really i want is happiness what i want is peace security freedom and i understood that that freedom the real freedom can be achieved only by the knowledge of the self who is already free thus there is a commitment to the knowledge and that's all that counts to this aspirant a commitment to the knowledge knowledge is all that he or she is seeking seeking and so in in and through whatever you do 
that commitment or goal always remains and whatever choices you make all those choices are determined by that objective suppose you want to make a choice should i eat or not eat should i sleep or not should i study or not should i go to a movie or not should i watch football game or not should i chat with a friend or not should i study sanskrit or not should i study chanting whenever these questions arise in your mind ask yourself is it conducive to what i am seeking the goal that i have determined for myself this thing that i want to do now is it in keeping with the goal that i have chosen or does it contradict the goal just as on the road whenever you have to make a turn you ask this question does this road lead to my destination or does it not and you choose that road which leads you to destination even though it may be a rough road sometimes the road that you have to take may not be that good may be rough the other road is so beautiful you know and perhaps you could drive 80 miles an hour there and the road that you would choose to reach your destination the speed limit may be 35 just because the speed limit is 35 does not mean that you discard that or just because the speed limit there is 75 not that you choose that your choices are determined by the destination that you want to reach and not because the road is fascinating and because the road is beautiful that is not the criterion for choosing the road but the criterion for choosing the road is whether the road leads you to destination or not isn't that so similarly also what do i do moment to moment what choice how do i how are my choices made by this awareness of the destination what is it that i am seeking i am seeking the knowledge what is it require the study of the scriptures listening contemplation understanding assimilation what does that require that requires grammar sanskritam okay then that is acceptable it requires prayers acceptable for prayers i should learn chanting acceptable if you think so you have to decide yourself what is it that is required in order for you to focus your attention on the pursuit of the knowledge generally as we said one requires in order to study the scriptures you require language of a language study of sanskrit or grammar etc automatically gets included sometimes we may do study spend some time in study of tarka or logic a little bit or some little disciplines that are needed in order to study this you might wish to acquire them and thus so prayers or worship or action karma yoga eating drinking not eating going out not going out any choices that you make behind all the choices there always is one question is it conducive to what i am seeking that does not mean that you have to deny to yourself any kind of freedom or relaxation mind should be relaxed also so you might say okay i'm going to allow my mind to watch tv for a half hour so that it is relaxed and with a relaxed mind i can study better you see i'm going to allow myself a an ice cream cone or whatever it is for so that it is the mind is happy or relaxed and then i can apply that mind to what i want to do so shrama and vishrama exertion and recreation both are needed by the mind mind needs recreation also and mind needs exertion also you to exert also and then recreation and rest also is required make a balance for yourself as lord krishna says yukta hara viharasya yukta cheshtasya karmasu yukta swapna avodhasya yoga bhavati dukha who is it for whom this yoga 
this pursuit of knowledge becomes dukkha, becomes pleasant. Yukta har viharasya. The one who maintains that balance or sense of proportion in food, in going out, in, in you know, in, uh, in activities, movements, in sleep, in keeping awake, and performance of every action, when a person always maintains a sense of proportion and alertness. So a constant alertness about the objective which I have determined for myself, that is called samadhanam. Samadhanam means a single-pointedness of the mind, the concentration of the mind. But by concentration of the mind, we here do not mean that you necessarily have to withdraw yourself from all the activities and just focus your mind upon one thing. We want that our focus of mind is upon the pursuit of knowledge. And therefore, the whole life can become a means of pursuit of knowledge. That's the beauty. It is not that you necessarily have to deny life in order to pursue the knowledge. On the other hand, whatever life you are living, make that life itself a means of pursuit of knowledge. And that's why Lord Krishna teaches us Karma Yoga. That is not that you give up the action or your activities. But you perform the activities in such a manner that those actions also become a means of knowledge. That's all. Need not give up if you, don't, if you cannot give up. Maybe your life sometimes does not give you choices of giving up things, of getting away from somewhere. You may not be able to do that. Or even in Guru Kulama also there is a requirement that you must work for X number of hours a day and you may not have a choice. Then what do we do? Either we fight with that, that I am required to do what I don't want to do. Or that very thing that I am supposed to do, the duty or the action that I am supposed to perform, I turn that very action into a means of knowledge. How should I perform my day-to-day activities so that my focus is maintained? That for Karma Yoga. Perform those activities also as a means of knowledge. Perform those activities also as an offering. Seek through performance of activity that may God, Lord, be pleased by this action. May acquire His grace. May acquire that purification of the mind. And therefore, let all of our day-to-day activities become a means for self-purification. That is also part of samadhanam, meaning we would call that also concentration. So here samadhanam or concentration is always maintaining the focus. In our mind, the focus is maintained. What is the destination? And moment to moment when I make choices, the choices are made by what I, whether what I am about to do, how to make that a means of my knowledge. This is Samadhanam. <clears throat> and ultimately, as the mind becomes more and more focused, it will be able to apply itself to more and more study of the scriptures, more and more reflection, more and more contemplation, more and more absorption in that. And perhaps the time will come when you will do nothing else except this. Swadhyaya and Pravachana. Study and teaching. So, slowly, you see, the mind has to be prepared. It is not easy all the time to study this or all the time to think about it. You get tired. Even in a class also. How long can a class go on? For an hour? Hour and a quarter? Hour and a half? And the, mind, the mind gets tired. Because Vedanta requires that my mind must be focused. It requires attention. It requires alertness. And I, how, can I, how long can I focus my mind? For a period of time. Then the mind wants some recreation or relaxation. But as the mind becomes more and more focused, the need for other distractions will reduce 
and this will become its full time pursuit. What are you doing? Swadhyaya and Pravachana. Study and teaching. Teaching doesn't mean that you have to conduct classes and things, but study and, and contributing, sharing. So, says Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, Machitaha Madgata Pranaha Bodhayantaf Parasparam Kathayantasya Mamnityam Tushyantich Ramantija. Who are my devotees? Machitaha, whose chitta or the mind, whose mind is always focused upon me. Madgata Pranaha. So Lord says that who are my devotees? Those whose mind is always focused upon me. Those whose actions are also focused upon me. Or those who live only for my sake, for myself. Bodhiyantaf parasparam. When they meet with one another, then what do they talk? They only talk about me. Kathayantasvam nityam. And when some curious individual comes in, what do they talk about? They only talk about me. So this is an ideal seeker of knowledge or a seeker of anything. And you know that in order to really achieve anything in any field, one must be totally devoted to that, whether you are a musician, you are a scientist, whatever you are. Unless you totally devote yourself, you won't be able to really have any outstanding achievement. You can be a mediocre person. And similarly also, to be devoted to knowledge, that should become a full-time thing. Your mind is focused there, you perform activities also for that. When you talk amongst each other, one another, also that's a subject matter. When you talk to a new person, that also you talk. Slowly, slowly, thus, uh, this completely envelops myself. This is called samadhanam, concentration, focus. That is, uh, a, this becomes, this is a requirement for pursuit of knowledge. So samadhanam, as the mind gets free from its other distractions and preoccupations, to that extent the mind is applied to this. Now we come to the next one, that is called Shraddha. Guru Padishta Vedanta Vakyeshu Vishwasaha Shraddha Shraddha Generally, Shraddha is translated as faith. It can be translated as a trust. But a trust is a, maybe a better word. Shraddha means faith or trust. Where? Guru Upadishta Vedanta Vakyeshu. This particular text describes Shraddha as trust in Vedanta Vakyeshu. In these statements of Vedanta, in the truth which is taught by Vedanta, a trust. But how? Guru Upadishta, Vedanta, the trust in Vedanta as taught by the teacher. Primarily, where is the trust? In Vedanta, in Upanishad, or in Vedanta. A trust in Vedanta is called Shraddha. What do you mean by Vedanta? The scriptures here. What is trust? Whatever vision Vedanta reveals, a trust that it is true. Because Vedanta is Pramanam. Shraddha or trust in Pramanam is always there. You know very well that organs of perception are Pramanam. The ears, eyes, the taste, all of these faculty of touch, taste, all of these are Pramanam. Valid means of knowledge, for gaining knowledge of, 
for perception of those corresponding objects. How much trust do we have, don't we? Right now you are listening to these words. Do you question? Whatever data your ears give with reference to the sound of the words that you are hearing, you accept it without any questioning? That yes, the data presented by my ears is true. When you see something, the eyes give you the data. Eyes give you the data with reference to colors or forms and that also you accept in full trust without questioning the competence of the eyes or without questioning whether the eyes are misguiding you or eyes are, are misdirecting you or whatever. You uh, accept that whatever the data the eyes present is true. That is called pramanam. Pramanam means a means for valid knowledge. So ears, eyes, all the organs of perception are pramanam for perception of those corresponding objects. And what sort of relation do we have with this pramanam that we have full trust in them? That's all. You understand? That's all. It is not that we do not know what Shraddha is or what trust is. We have full trust. In my eyes, I have trust. In my ears, I have trust. In my tongue, I am drinking coffee or tea. My tongue says that it is coffee. No, no, it cannot be coffee. It must be tea. Should you say that? No. Then your palate or the faculty of taste says that this is coffee. You accept it as coffee. Faculty of smell tells you this smells like pizza. No, no, it cannot be pizza. It must be something else. Because the faculty of smell says this. So that's what it must be. So how do we accept without questioning with full trust the perception of the knowledge which is given to us by our organs of perception. Because we accept the organs of perception as pramanam, pramakaranam pramanam, as valid means of knowledge for revealing those corresponding objects. So that kind of a trust we should have in Vedanta, that's all. Why is it so? Because Vedanta is pramanam. The first statement of this text is Vedanta nama upanishad pramanam. What is known as Vedanta is nothing but Upanishad. And the Upanishad is Pramanam, is a valid means of knowledge. For what? For what we call the truth about the Self. Because Self or God is not available for perception, cannot be perceived, cannot be comprehended, let us say, by the organs of perception, cannot be comprehended by any means available to us, cannot be comprehended by the mind, cannot be comprehended by the words, cannot be comprehended by organs of perception, in other words, self cannot be comprehended by any available means of knowledge. The only means of knowledge available to us is Vedanta. The words of Vedanta reveal the nature of the self. And therefore, Vedanta is the Pramanam, is accepted as the valid means of knowledge with reference to the nature of the self, with reference to the nature of God, with reference to the nature of reality. Not with reference to all these other local things. Upanishad sometimes may talk about uh, the things of the world also. They also give various illustrations in order to explain certain points. And those illustrations may be questioned sometimes. Very often in Vedanta gave the illustration. Kita Brahmaranyaya. It is said that one worm becomes a wasp. A worm becoming a wasp. That the worm constantly thinks of the wasp. Constantly thinks of the wasp and becomes a wasp. And that is an illustration given for meditation. That we constantly dwell upon anything with a total faith and commitment and, and devotion, then you become that. 
that you constantly meditate upon or meditate upon a, a devata or a god, a chosen deity, you become that. So, illustration for meditation is this Kita Brahmaranyaya, a worm becoming a wasp. Somebody said, this is wrong. A worm never becomes a wasp. So, it's possible that the illustration given in the Upanishad may not, may be questioned from a scientific standpoint. So, we don't say that just because the Upanishad says that a worm becomes a wasp, that we'll accept that a worm becomes a wasp, okay? But we accept the illustration from the spirit in which it is said that you are what you think. And if you maintain constantly a certain flow of thought, then that is what you become. That's what we are. This concrete form, a tangible form that we have, is nothing but a product of the kind of thought flow that we entertained for a great length of time in the past. So therefore, as we say, Vedanta is a Pramanam for the nature of reality, and we do not necessarily look upon Vedanta as Pramanam or the means of knowledge for other worldly things. Like Vedanta gives an illustration of a spider, how a spider creates a web out of himself, and therefore the spider is a, is a fission cause as well as material cause. Suppose tomorrow you discover another fact that spider is not like that. What shall you do? Shall you say that Vedanta is wrong? Well, we don't accept Vedanta as Pramana or many valid means of knowledge as with reference to a spider. But we definitely accept Vedanta as a valid means of knowledge with reference to God who is Abhinna Nimitta Upadana Karanam and who is both the material and the efficient cause. So where is, Veda, where is the Pramanyam or the validity of Vedanta? In revealing the nature of truth. Truth alone is called God, that alone is called self, that alone is called creation. Truth alone is called by different names. And therefore, Vedanta is accepted as Pramanam, valid means of knowledge, with reference to revealing the reality of myself, revealing the reality of the world, revealing the reality of God, and revealing also the relationship that obtains between them. This trust is required. Meaning accepting Vedanta as Pramanam. And whatever benefit of doubt we give to other Pramanam, we give that to Vedanta also. Before we dismiss the data given to us by our ears, we first give it the benefit of doubt. Sometimes it happens that our ears also may perhaps misguide us, if there is some difficulty with the ears. In which case it is necessary to correct the Pramanam. If our eyes or ears need some kind of a correction, we do them when we find that they are misguiding us. But first we give it the benefit of doubt. The ears are given the benefit of doubt. Only when what the ears tell me does not make sense that I start questioning whether what my ears are telling me is right or not. Do I hear it right? Sometimes we ask. Because maybe. Or do I see it right? Then if we question the data of the eyes then maybe if the eyes have some defect then we might perhaps want to question the data. Otherwise, how benefit of doubt is always given to our eyes, ears, to the pramanam? Similarly, that benefit of doubt must be given to what we call Vedanta, before questioning Vedanta. So the Shraddha or the trust that we have in Vedanta enables us to maintain a certain frame of mind wherein we do not question what Vedanta says, but we try to understand what Vedanta says. Because this Atma or the Self is a very unique subject to discuss. See, when it comes to the objects of the world, I don't have any preconceived notions or opinions about the objects of the world. 
and therefore a scientist can investigate into whatever he or she is doing without any kind of prejudice or without any preconceived notions. However, we are talking about the self, Vedanta talks about self, Vedanta talks about God, Vedanta talks about the world. And we already have very firm ideas or conclusions about these things. We have conclusions about our own self. We have conclusions about who God is and where He is and how He is. Even when you say, I don't believe in God, that also is a conclusion about God. I don't accept God, that also is a conclusion about God. And when he says, world is real, that is a conclusion about the world. Thus, about God, world and the self, we already have conclusions and very often firm conclusions. And therefore what happens is when Vedanta reveals maybe a truth about ourselves or about the world, which contradicts my present conclusion about this, then I will question Vedanta. I said, no, I don't think what Vedanta says is right. It cannot be this. And then we cannot learn. Once you question the pramanam or the means of knowledge, then we cannot learn from that. So when we find that there seems to be a contradiction, there seems to be a deviation between what Vedanta says and what I have, I think is right, then what do I do? I first give benefit of doubt to Vedanta. And I try to see whether my conclusion is valid or not. That's all. Giving the benefit of doubt to Vedanta so that we will have an opportunity to review our own conclusions. Otherwise, how can we learn and how can we grow? If you always hold on to our pleasant conclusions, we will never learn anything beyond that. In order that we learn, our scope of knowledge grows, it will be necessary to question our conclusions. So wherever there is a, a, a discrepancy between what Vedanta reveals and my conclusion, I will question my conclusion rather than questioning Vedanta. This is all that Vedanta or study requires for. Shraddha, the trust, does not mean that I have to swallow what I am told. Does not mean that I simply accept without thinking whatever teacher tells me. It only means that I give it the benefit of doubt. It only means that I look upon it with certain reverence. The Shraddha also includes reverence. Not merely a faith, but faith mixed with reverence. This aspect of reverence is looked upon, is very important in India. Reverence for things, reverence for scriptures, reverence for teachers, reverence for elders, reverence for people who are following certain lifestyle like austerity and renunciation, a reverence. And what does this reverence do? The reverence opens up the channel for the teaching to flow from that source to me. The reverence, that is Shraddha, is nothing but a tuning up between that source and myself. Thus if I have reverence for the scriptures, and therefore necessarily also reverence for the teacher, because the scriptures are coming to us from the teacher. Therefore this text says, Guru Upadishta Vedanta Vakyesu. Primarily a trust in Vedanta, but not in Vedanta as I, I learn by myself, not Vedanta as I read or study by myself, but Vedanta that I listen to or I receive from the teacher, that Vedanta. Because when we study on our own, our mind will have a tendency to fit whatever we study into the frame of knowledge that I have. 
See, whenever we open a book, we already have certain ideas about that particular subject. And so when we read the book, we always will try to understand it in reference to my present frame of mind, my present conclusions. And though if book confirms my conclusion, it's a good book. Book does not confirm my conclusion, I think there's something wrong. This Swami is no good. Why? Because it does not confirm my conclusions. This Swami is very good because he says he confirms my conclusion. So very often people gravitate towards those who confirm them. But that is not the way to learn because we don't want confirmation of our conclusions. We don't want that our conclusions be dismissed either. We just want to validate our conclusions. That's all. also gives us an open mind. Since I have reverence for Vedanta, I have reverence for the teacher, and therefore I scrutinize my own conclusions wherever my conclusions contradict what the teacher says or what the Vedanta reveals. And thus I open up the possibility <coughs> of learning, of becoming free from my conclusions, preconceived notions, prejudices, and that is called bondage. After all, what is it that is bondage? Bondage is nothing but various conclusions about my own self. That I am a limited being, that's the first conclusion. That I am a jiva, I am subject to birth and death and happiness and happiness. These are the fundamental conclusions about myself. Vedanta says, Tattvamasi, that thou art. You are not a samsari. You are not a doer. You are not an enjoyer. You are not a limited being. You are complete being. You are free. I can't accept that. Impossible. I don't think what they say is right. Shall I dismiss what Vedanta says? Or then if Vedanta says that I am free, but I, I find that I am, I feel that I am bound. Then who is right? I give benefit of doubt to Vedanta. That Vedanta is right. That I must be free because they say. Then if I am free, how come I am not, not able to experience that freedom? How come I find myself a bound person? Then I further question, is that sense of bondage a valid sense? Is my conclusion that I am bound, is it a valid conclusion? Then I will look into the process by which that I have arrived at that conclusion and I will, I will create the ground for discovery of the fact that the conclusion that I am bound is the wrong conclusion. When? Only when I first give the benefit of doubt to Vedanta. Vedanta says, you are free. You are what you are seeking. And therefore there is nothing to be achieved in life. There is already achievement of whatever you seek to achieve. You are the achievement that you are seeking. Am I? How can I be? Well, how can I be? Thus, inquiry of vichara starts. So this is all they ask of us. Is giving the benefit of doubt with trust and reverence. Primarily in Vedanta and Upanishad and secondarily also in the teacher through whom we learn the Upanishad. Guru Upadishta Vedanta Vakyesu by the truth of the Vedanta as taught by the Guru as taught by the teacher. Guru as you know Gukaras Tvandakarascha Rukaras Tannivartakaha Andhakara Nirodhitvat Guru Tyabidhyade That's how somebody explains the meaning of the word Guru that the word Guru is made up of two letters Gu and Ru the letter Gu stands for darkness of ignorance. The letter Ru stands for the light of knowledge. And since the Guru dispels the darkness of ignorance, therefore it's called Guru. Since this person dispels the darkness of ignorance in my heart, therefore it's called Guru. 
That is some way of explaining it. But then, Guru is the one who dispels the darkness of ignorance. And therefore, a reverence for the teacher. A trust and reverence. Therefore, devotion to the teacher. A devotion to the scripture. So, devotion is very important. And in the beginning itself, we said, Yasyadeve Parabhakti, Yasadeve Tathagrav. One who has a supreme devotion for Lord, whom he is seeking, an equal devotion for the teacher. I would say an equal devotion for the scriptures also. But you cannot separate this. You cannot separate God from Guru and from teacher. Because scriptures are revealed only by God. That's how we accept them. We can accept them. The Vedanta can be accepted as Pramanam, as valid. Only when we also accept the fact that they are not composed by human beings. Because if a human being composes something, then that composition is going to reflect the limitations of human mind. Human mind is limited in knowledge and human mind also has perhaps many misconceptions and all those limitations and misconceptions will get reflected in any human composition. So Vedanta or Vedas are not accepted, are not looked upon as those composed by the Rishis but only as seen by the Rishis and the scriptures are revealed by God. This is how we look upon the scriptures. And so our reverence for God automatically results into our reverence for the scriptures also. So, scriptures are look, looked upon as nothing but avatar of God. You see, in Vedanta again we accept another principle of avatar, incarnation. So we look upon Lord Krishna as incarnation of God. So the Vedas, the scriptures are also incarnation of God. What kind of incarnation? Vangmai avatara. The incarnation in the form of words. So very often God incarnates in different ways. Not only does he incarnate as a human being. Sometimes even he gets, he incarnates even as an animal, you know. That all kinds of incarnations are described in the, in, in the Puranas. And once Lord even incarnated as cloth, would you believe that? Vastravatara. There was a great devotee of Lord whose name was Draupadi, this woman. And uh, in, the, in, the, in the court of the Kauravas, this one, one was to be uh, stripped. You know, for and so they started pulling her uh, her sari, and she threw a prayer to the Lord. The Lord is at the moment I am totally helpless. There is no one for me, and don't you realize that I am your devotee? I am in tremendous trouble. And the prayer was heard. It is said that the Lord presented Himself in the form of a cloth, in the form of sari. So this man was pulling the sari, and the new sari kept on coming and coming. He kept on pulling. Ultimately, he fell down in exhaustion because these eyes, there was no end to that. Lord appeared in the form of a sari. That's called Vastra Avatara. Avatar incarnation in the form of Vastra or garment. So you may find it all superstitious, which it may very well be, but this is all, you know, part of belief system. So this is also a belief that Vedas, the scriptures are revealed by God. That Vedas are nothing but God himself incarnated in the form of verse. That is the kind of reverence that they have for the scriptures. There is at least one sect in India, the Sikhs. They, they, that God is nothing but the Granth. That very text, you know, is their God. That's what they worship. They call it Guru Granth Sahab. Granth means that very, the composition of the Guru is worshipped as God. And they carry it on their head. The ten books are carried on their head, not even on the hand. That shows the highest reverence. What do I carry on my head? that for which I have the greatest reverence. So this reverence for the, it cannot be thrust upon anybody and we have to discover it, that's all. 
The point is that this reverence has to be discovered and we will discover it. As we get exposed to Vedanta, as we see its profundity, as we see its clarity, as we see how it uh, uh, releases us from various notions and complexes, as we see the glory and beauty of Vedanta, naturally the reverence will arise. And let it arise in its own way. Let Shraddha or the trust or the faith is something, let it be discovered. It's not something that you can command. You cannot make yourself have Shraddha. You cannot make yourself love somebody. Not possible. It has to happen. You can't say, I will love this person. You cannot insist upon that. Love has to uh, manifest itself. Similarly, devotion, Shraddha are not the things that you can command. Those are the things that have to happen. But we keep this in mind that this Shraddha or the trust and reverence is an essential frame of mind in order to learn, in order to enjoy what we call an open mind. A mind that is open and free to learn. A mind that is willing to shed off its presence, conclusions and prejudices wherever and ready to learn. Ready to change. That's all. Ready to learn and ready to change. So this whole attitude or this whole frame of mind is called Shraddha. There is in Shraddha the trust, the faith, reverence, devotion, openness, freedom. In fact, this is a trust where there is freedom. Normally, we always get scared by the word faith. Any intelligent person will be very skeptical whenever this question of Shraddha and trust and faith comes, because faith is always understood as blind faith. But here we are not talking about blind faith, we are talking about enlightened faith. Or faith, that is something that we discover as a result of verification. So you listen to Vedanta, you understand something, and try to assimilate that, and try to implement it in your own life and when you discover the validity and the truth of what they say then you take the next step thus we proceed as we keep on discovering the validity of the truth not that we simply swallow everything as we are told but then Vedanta says that amanitvam, adambitvam, ahimsa, akshantihi so these are the things that will give you peace of mind let us see whether it does or not Vedanta says that the happiness is not to be out, discovered outside it is within your own self or your own nature let us see whether it is right or not let me stop that pursuit and let me focus attention on me and let us see whether I am able to discover the inner peace or not. So, that reverence and the trust that we have will require, enable us to even drop off or shed off a lot of things which we may have, we may be holding on to and thus becoming free from the shackles that we have created for our own self. Nobody has created the shackles. We have created shackles for our own self in terms of various conclusions, complexes and prejudices and learning means becoming free from those shackles and Shraddha, the reverential faith, uh, gives us that frame of mind for learning. And therefore, Shraddha, there is freedom. The mind be, remains free from doubting and questioning. Mind is open when it is listening to the teacher. Like a sponge absorbs the water, similarly also, the mind which is Shraddha absorbs what the teacher says. Tasyate kathita hirtaha prakashante mahatmana For the one who enjoys that frame of mind, the words of the teacher and the scripture will automatically become evident in that mind. So this is Sashadha Kathita Sadvihi Yaya Vastupalabdhate Shastrasya Guru Veda Vakyasya Satya Buddhya Vadharana Sashadha Kathita Sadvihi Yaya Vastupalabdhate In Viveka Chudamani, Sankaracharya says that this frame of mind or disposition of mind where the mind says, mind is able to accept as truth what the Shastra, the scriptures and the Guru reveals, 
that disposition of the mind is called Shraddha and that is one thing by which you attain, you gain the knowledge. Lord Krishna gives a very great importance to Shraddha in Bhagavad Gita, says Shraddhavan Lapate Jnanam. In the fourth chapter of Gita it is said that one who has a Shraddha, he gains the knowledge. So for gaining the knowledge, the Shraddha, meaning accepting Vedanta as Pramanam and giving Vedanta the status of Pramanam. The kind of status that you have given to our eyes and ears with reference to revealing their corresponding objects, giving the same status to Vedanta with reference to revealing the nature of truth, when we have that, that is called Shraddha, and the one who has that, that person gains knowledge. So Shraddha is an extremely important disposition of mind. As you said, something that we discover in course of time. If we find there is a lack of it, something that we pray for. Okay. Om Puranamadav Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutao Vande Bhagavantao Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti Shanti Hari Om Shri Guru Mirunamaha Hari Om